Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Some exchange betting companies run short-lived promotions, like months-long offers of low commission. At BetDAG, we wanted to change the way we did things, so we set our commission at 2% permanently. That's 2% on football, horse racing, golf, almost any sport. 2%. That's just one way that BetDAC is changing for the better. For the better. Like you. BetDAC, the 2% commission exchange. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hello and welcome to a Roger Report transfer special. Since we had no game this weekend, we thought it would be the perfect time to catch up with Sky Sports' Keith Downey and Alex McCain for some reason. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm sick of you using me as the butt of your jokes for the intros, Connor. <laughs> it's the third week in a row you've done it now. Big big week for you, Keith, obviously. Transfer deadline day yes, coming up. Yeah, um, well, hopefully. I mean, yeah. sometimes these weeks can be pretty difficult to be honest and looking ahead obviously it's not just Sunderland that I have to cover it's Newcastle and Middlesbrough as well you never know you never know going into it um, you think you have a little bit of a sniff of things normally at the weekend leading up quite often they're on a Monday actually and so I've come this time you kind of know what's going on um, the good thing for me is all three clubs are in the market for players Sunderland obviously looking mm. to bring in at least three Newcastle or Rafa Benitez wants to bring in three as well and and I think Middlesbrough are, are looking at two so it could be a busy few days for me um, but I say that with bated breath because uh, we know how these things sometimes work out Hot take who's going to spend more money Sunderland or Newcastle? <laughs> Do you know that's a very good question um, It's not that hot of a take really when you think about uh, it Probably not much between them is there but um, yeah I mean well I think Sunderland are, are looking to buy at least one maybe two um, whereas Newcastle I think are more looking at loans but listen Newcastle could still sign Miguel Almiron they could still bring him in I would be surprised it would have to break their transfer record but the way they played yesterday they definitely need mm-hmm. someone in that, that attacking third if they don't it'll be Sunderland to spend more because Newcastle will just be bringing in loans Okay we're going to start there's there's so many things people have asked we've got probably 
close to a Stuart Donald amount of questions for you, Keith. So you're clearly a high-level celebrity. When you uh, filter out the ones that are just Keith, are you and Mag, you only have about five left, though. So that's there's always there's that. a lot of is Keith and Mag. <laughs> do you want to get that? Do you want to just get us out the way early doors? Yeah, I think people say, know already. Yeah, I'm neither a Newcastle no. or Sunderland supporter. You're a Hearts fan. I support Hartford Lothian from Scotland. Grew up supporting them. And um, when I was younger, I'd sometimes come down here and watch both of the these teams. Um, occasionally I mean I'm talking about a handful of times because it was mm. close to Edinburgh that was the only reason um, I want all, all the three Northeast teams to do well I mean the dream would be all three of them to be fighting away in the Premier League against each other obviously not, that's not the case um, but listen Newcastle fans think I support Sunderland Sunderland think, fans think I support Newcastle and for whatever reason Middlesbrough fans think I support Middlesbrough so uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's, a, it's a bit strange listen you can't in this job you are not a fan of anyone you you look at it in a kind of professional way and for me it's all about getting stories first and reporting on fun things and events it's just a shame that we've not had any of them for a while okay we'll start josh Magesso. i think it'll be good to get your side of the story from start to finish so josh Magesso, what happened there well i'm, I'm actually quite um pleased to have this opportunity to speak to you guys because um, it's been a little bit uh, frustrating the last few weeks because there was I think a a feeling um, after what happened um, that we were or I was complicit in the Mm. whole thing and I can tell you I wasn't when Stuart Donald came out and said both on social media and then on on your podcast um, that Sky had contacted me and Sky had that he's, listen, I'll be honest, he was talking about myself. Um, like any story, like any piece of information you get, we I normally check it out with the clubs. Unless unless I am 100% sure on the source I'm speaking with, whether it be an agent, whether it be a player, whoever, if, unless it was someone I was very close to and I 100% trusted them, I would always go to the club and, and check. In fact, even a couple of agents who I'm really close to, I would still go to the club just to give them a little heads up that we're planning to run this line. In the case of Josh Madger, a fellow reporter of mine at Sky, based down in London, was told that Madger had decided, or Madger and his representative had decided that he was going to turn down the contract offer on the table. Now, this was on the Friday, the deadline set by Sunderland. So he obviously got it from a source of his own. He then said to me, Keith, I'm hearing this. Now, out of respect, I don't ask him who his source is because he wouldn't ask me. I mean, sometimes reading between the lines, you can kind of guess and you can get an idea, but out of respect, I don't ask him because that's his personal business. That's his um, information. But I, I trust the guy enough to then go to the club with it. So Stuart said that he received a call from uh, Sky and that was from from myself. Um asking if it was true that, that Madja had turned down the new deal. Stuart was none the wiser and he said that and he's, he's said that on the record and then said, let me go and check because the last time I spoke to Josh or the last time we heard, Josh spoke to Jack Ross, manager, yesterday and said he was going to sign the new deal next week and that he wanted to stay. So he said, give me 10 minutes. So he went away, 10 minutes later, texts me, goes, phone you in five, things have all changed. So of course I'm thinking, right, what's going on? Um, he, he phones back he goes listen you were right he said you were right because I'm ready there I've got the email written I've got the tweet ready to go to say Josh Madger will sign his contract next week and I'm thinking listen good news story for Sunderland good news story for the region brilliant he phones and says you're right 
Josh, uh, Jack has just called Josh into his office, as we all know, and he's gone on record to say this. Um, and he said that his agent has advised him not to sign the new deal. Now, whether that was Josh's decision, whether that was the agent's decision, whether that was a collaboration between the two, we'll never know. But what we do know is that the two of them didn't have their story straight. So whether Josh just didn't want to tell Jack and he was a little bit too scared, he was maybe trying to buy himself a little time. He didn't know how to, he's still a young lad. He didn't know how to deal with the situation. Whatever happened, they were both given different information. But by the time Josh got called in by Jack, he he told the truth at this point. So I said to um, I said to Stuart, I said, well, listen, if that's the case, we're going to run that line because you've confirmed the information that I already have from, from, a, from a source. Um... And he said, that's fine. I totally get that. We had a good chat, good honest chat and I caught on the phone for about 10, 15 minutes. He goes, listen, I'm going to put it out on social media as well because I like to keep the fans informed, which he does. And listen, it's great that he does that. It's great for you guys as fans. It's good for us as well. That transparency is very unusual, um, but it's been, it, it's been, it has been good and it's been fresh and it's been different. So it was strange. It was like almost myself and Stuart racing against each other to try and get the news out first. But I think obviously just the way maybe Stuart put it out and maybe the, the way he worded it, um, and because he mentioned the agent as well, it obviously made it look as though Sky were complicit in the whole thing. When all I was doing, like anything, like if I found out a bit of information about a transfer tomorrow, I check it out with the club first. I do the same with Newcastle, I do the same with Middlesbrough, I do the same with clubs in Scotland or, or wherever. If I hear something about a player going to Spurs, I'll speak to the guy who deals with Spurs in London, the reporter, and he'll check it out. We just like to do that at Sky. It's something we do. And listen, as a result of that, we sometimes don't get stories first because we're too busy trying to double check and second source things. So that was all we were trying to do. We weren't complicit. It wasn't like the agent or anyone phoned us up and said, look, make sure you put this out in Sky. We want to do this. And I think Stuart said on your show as well, um, when he was on a couple uh, week or so ago, he said that, you know, Sky phoned up and said they're going to show a montage of his goals. We, I never said that. I never. And I think he'll, if he's honest, he'll, he'll know that I didn't say that. But it's television. And if you're going to put, if you're going to say, Josh Madge has, has turned down his contract offer on the table by Sunday and you're obviously going to accompany that on TV with a, one of Josh's goals or of him coming on as a sub or something. So you are going to see him. So he's probably just put two and two together and, and thought of that. And that, that is the case. So I don't know. I suppose the whole thing just got a little bit messy and it looked as though, as I say, we were complicit in the whole thing and we wanted Josh to go. That couldn't be any further for the truth. I want, as I've said already, all three Northeast clubs to do well. I want Sunderland to keep their best players. I want them to get back up in the, the leagues and be competing for trophies and playing in the, the derby matches and uh, and whatnot and playing in the big games again. So, listen, a sad situation, but listen, it's proved true, hasn't it? We, we sit here on, on Sunday night. Magia completed his move to Bordeaux yesterday um, and made it clear to the club that he didn't want to play for them again. So... If you think back to the original story three weeks ago that we put out and said that Josh Major turned down a new contract, he did. He did. Whether he was advised and how he was advised by his agent, that's up to him. But at the end of the day, Josh Major is in charge of that situation. He employs his agent for advice. It's then up to him to make the final decision. His decision was to leave in search of better money elsewhere. Yes, the, I'm sure the agent got um, a, a fair portion of that as well, but... <laughs> For them, they they both ended up winning out of it, and at least for Sunderland, at least they've managed to recoup something. Because had they waited till the end of the season and got mm. what a couple of hundred thousand pound, it wouldn't mean any good to anyone. So at, le at least they've got something out of it. What did you make of the story that came out 
on Roker Report when the deal was done that the club aren't going to really see the 1.5 million because it's going to pay off the Kazri yeah, instalment. I, surpri- I, surpri- I didn't know that, to be honest. I was surprised. I, kn- I knew that they still had um, certain debts with clubs. I think it's like for, a 5 million left mm-hmm. to pay. As, as much as that, well, I mean, that showed, well, that shows exactly why they need to do the deal now. Rather than, I mean, that's, mm-hmm. he's probably their biggest asset, isn't he? Yeah. So if they wait to the end of the season and we've got 300,000 for him, then they might as well get that now. Now, my understanding of the deal is that, I don't know if it's, this has been said already, but um, I think it's one and a half up front and then it could rise to three and a half, but Maja needs to meet a lot of clauses in the contract to get there. So the deal could rise to 3.5, but it might not get close to that. So, mm. you know, at least the minimum they're going to get is 1.5. Disappointing that it's going to have to go into a player who left a while ago now and mm-hmm. wasn't really much of a success. I mean, he scored a couple of good goals, but that's just indicative of the way the, the club was run under its its previous owners. But then Stuart knew that when he took over, didn't he? The, the debt was wiped, but he also knew he had a couple of these situations yeah. to deal with. It was with never going to be and as... that was one, wasn't it? Yeah, it was never going to be as squeaky clean as, you know, okay, Ellis has wiped the debt. You know, we've now got a completely clean slate. Let's build the club back up from the foundations. There was always going to be, you know the odd bit of debt dotted around a few clubs in Europe you know where deals in the past for the likes of Ricky Alvarez or Wabi Kazari haven't been totally tied up you know where years of financial incompetence have sort of let the club down they're always going to catch up and I, yeah. and I think it's a hard pill to swallow really having a, getting 1.5 million initially for your League One war chest but then immediately losing it to pay off a debt but as you say you know we're, we're much better off paying off that debt now than having to do it in the summer with money that we don't have you know, for yeah. a club that's just got a league one, because really, you know, there's that's a lot of money to play around with when you're in the third tier of English football, and to do it now, it doesn't look very nice, but it's it's a necessity. It had to be done at some point, and I'm much rather, as you say, doing it now than doing it at a more difficult point in the club's well, the other, career. Yeah, well, the other situation is if you have Madge now until the end of the season, is he is his head going to be on the game? Mm-hmm. You know, and like sometimes you're better just to get these guys out and get yeah. that money in when when you can. Yeah, and I think the situation had become so toxic mm-hmm. that they had to they had to act now. It's a shame that they're not going to have any money to spend up front, but I don't think, from what I'm hearing, I don't think that's having a an effect on what they're actually trying to do in this window mm-hmm. anyway. Like I think they do have a pot of money set aside to actually do something in this window. So it's not as a, it's not as though they don't have anything. And Stuart's obviously come on here and spoken before, and he's been well aware of the situation mm. that they do owe, owe money elsewhere. So it's not, it's not. It might be something new to some of us, but it's n- there's nothing new to him. How much do you think Sunderland have got roughly? If you had a guess, is it somewhere well, in between terms of one what? and two million? Yeah, yeah. In yeah. terms of uh, a fee, yeah, I, I think it's probably a bit. Well, listen, I don't, I don't know. I don't. Stuart wouldn't tell us numbers like that. My reading of the situation would probably be one point five, maybe to spend, which isn't a lot. No. Um, but if you shop wisely, you can mm-hmm. you can do you can do good business in, in, in this division. Around. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's not that's actually not bad money for League One. Treaty it's just we, yeah, it's just where Sunderland want to be, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, I think I think the business that Jack Ross has done so far on the whole has been pretty mm-hmm. good, and the players that have you know most of the players have made a, a decent impact. Mm-hmm. But this is a key key transfer window because make no mistake. Sunderland need to get up this season. I know, obviously, Stuart said and others have said that you know we can we we, re, we readjust, but I think Sunderland need to really do it this season. I really do. I think I think it's crucial for the the financial side of the club moving forward that they get up this summer. So this is this is key that they get the right guys in in the in this these next few days. 
Well, that's how it can go. It's easy to get relegated to the championship and then get stuck in the championship. And equally, it's easy to get relegated from there to League One and get stuck in League One. Yeah. There's a few. Yeah, well, yeah, I was was about to say Sheffield United. There's a few, you know, quote unquote, big clubs who've gone down and bounced back up. But then you look at Sheffield United, they didn't get straight back up. They made some wrong decisions, Mm. you know, financially signing the wrong players, bad transfer policy. And next thing you know, they're there for the best part of six years, you know, and that's. I think the novelty of playing in League One will quickly evaporate yeah. if you have to stay there for longer than a season. You know that, yeah. that's not to undermine the teams in the division, but when you're used to the Premier League and the Championship standard of football for God knows how long, you know suddenly the um, uh, the, the compromises of the third tier really start to become quite obvious. I mean, even the re- the refereeing alone is is something <laughs> no. that uh, <laughs> I don't want to talk about. I picked up one, but yeah. just 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 briefly on just failing on Major. I mean, a, a lot of people sort of castigating him for his decision, but you have to understand he's yeah. a young footballer who's just burst burst onto mm-hmm. the scene. He scored sixteen goals this season. He was he was he was still essentially on a youth team contract at Sunderland, and that's something that's carried over from the mm. previous regime I mean I don't know the exact figures but it's my understanding he's on or he was on circa £700 a week you know I mean it might be a little bit more it might be a little bit less but you work that out it's equivalent of what £40,000-£45,000 a year a year mm-hmm. so you know if Stuart offered seven times that what does that make you think? I think it was probably about five, six thousand pounds with a little bit of like add-ons depending on on what he does if he if he scores a certain amount of goals or makes an, a certain amount of appearances. Um, but if he can go to France and earn three and four times that, you have to understand that a kid at that age who it's a short career, you mm-hmm. just don't know. And like, I'll, I would never. You know, slam a player for trying to do the best. I mean, you look at Marko Arnautovic, who is desperate for. I know he signed the new contract now, but he was he made it clear he was desperate for that move to China. And most people would say, "Why do you want to go to China? Playing for West Ham, you're in the Premier career." But it's because obviously the money was so much better, mm-hmm. and he's trying to make himself financially yeah. stable. So Lots you can't you though. can't have a go. You can't have a go. He's a young player, and if he wants to go, he wants to go. Sunderland have done the right mm-hmm. thing, getting the, the the deal done now. And by all accounts, they've got as good a deal as they could for someone who's so that's generally you've had February, March, April and a bit of May so for four months they've got potentially up to 3 million 3.2 million more than they would have if they waited those four months for me it's good business to get it done Is Josh Madger I'm going to throw this to Alex because you watched him probably far more than Keith um, is Josh Madger good enough to play in a top division? Well when I was you know I mean don't get me wrong seeing Josh Madger this season I've heard plenty of criticisms saying that all he does is score goals, but you know when when you when you get to the the root of that criticism, that's like saying all your plumber does is plumb. You know, like yeah, yeah, but he, he didn't tile my roof, so obviously he's not really good at his job, is he? He's not working hard enough. But no, at the end of the day, you know, Maggio was a goal scorer. He was an out and out natural goal scorer who prospered at this level of football. Whether he can jump from the third tier of English football to the first tier of French football, though, is a uh, uh, very much begs the question. I mean, he, you know, fair, I mean, fair enough. Last season he was only nineteen, no, he was breaking on at the scene then, but he wasn't exactly setting the championship alight. He got one goal in, I think, you know, seven or eight appearances. It's not brilliant. Whether or not he can make it in the championship now and get fifteen goals in one half of a season, I highly doubt. I think if he went to a Premier League club, he'd be consigned to a bench. So it makes you wonder then would he have fared much differently 
in the top tier of France. I know it's pound for pound, probably not on par with England's. You know, you've got PSG who, you know, annually run away with it. You've got a few good teams floating around Monaco, but I think if you got to the business end of that division, the teams aren't particularly great. I'd, if I was going to guess, I'm no expert on French football. I would say it's probably somewhere between the Premier League and the Championship overall for quality. That'd be my estimation. Can Magic make it there? I'm, I'm, I'm really not sure. I, I, I'm not expecting them to suddenly be starting every game for Bordeaux. I think he probably will start on the bench. I think whether he adapts is an entirely different question. And I think compounding my concerns for him are what his or what the um, I think director of football at Bordeaux said about him, describing him as a big physical lad. <laughs> now, you know, as a, as you say, Connor, I have watched Magic quite a lot this season, and physicality is not an aspect of his game. His finishing, his yeah. positioning, his, his awareness of what's around him—that's the best aspect of his game. His physicality is uh, against some of the bigger lads in this division is virtually non-existent. I think I think out with a couple of players, I think out with a handful of players, you're, there's a lot of luck involved in one of these transfers. I think unless it's someone like you know when Wayne Rooney came through or Jordan Pickford or one of these lads who came through, and you're like you can just see from a young age they are set for the top. Other than that, it can go either way, and it just depends how 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 well they're developed. Maybe the French side of the game might be better. Than, than the English yeah. fo- better than English football for him. You don't know, but at the end of the day, you don't need to worry about it too much because he's because he's gone now. Yeah. And I suppose at least he's gone to France and he's mm-hmm. not gone he's not gone to rival in the Championship or or the Premier League. You know. Yeah, I, I highly doubt that we'll be playing Bordeaux in a competitive <laughs> anytime soon. So Sorry yeah, not. as as you say, he's <laughs> not our problem anymore. If he goes there and he flops, then to be honest, um, I would feel quite bad for him. I've, I I really hold nothing against him for moving. I think we'll, if I could just jump back into that, what we were saying earlier about, I think a lot of people have sort of like jumped on Magic for moving. And if you look at, like, say, on, on his Instagram, or I mean, I don't know if he posted on Twitter about his move, but on Instagram, I was reading through the comments and some of them are just like downright, just like the, the, the venom is ridiculous. You know, yeah. he's, he's being called all sorts, you know. I mean, you know, obviously, like, I've, I've heard people call him a snake. That's what Keith gets. It's the uh, same people. <laughs> <laughs> they get the same Josh Madger trolls uh, as the Downey yeah. trolls. Yeah. People saying he's think the, I yeah. am actually. Saying he's a, a, the problem with modern it? football. When really you have to take a step back and think, right, you know, let's reverse the roles. Okay, you're a lad who's grown up in Sunderland and you've moved to Crystal Palace. You know, you break onto the scene with them following their double relegation, yeah. but then a move to Germany comes up. You know, your head's going to be turned. If it's bigger money, it's not. It's an opportunity to go abroad. You know, which I think for a young lad whole craze in front of you you'd be interested you know like that in itself is just quite interesting you know he's, he's not got any natural ties to the club there's no natural loyalty you know if his ambitions outgrown his loyalty then you know there wasn't enough there initially to sort of ground him to Sunderland I think yeah. was he a look if he'd have been a local lad might have been a different story he might have seen the bigger picture of okay could get back in the champ or could push further but you know he's not he's not from here you know like the, the loyalty that he has to Sunderland is going to be far weaker than what sort of like us fans have got, you know, he's, he's not going to be, he's, he's not going to care that much about the club. I, I, and I've no doubt that, you know, he would have played for the shirt while he was here, but there's no natural tie to the club. You know, when a move comes up like that, two divisions above, it's abroad, he's on more money. I think really, if you were him, you'd, you'd see it as a no brainer and I hold nothing against him for it. That's just the nature of the game. That's the nature of the business in it. If you want to go, then fair enough. Sure. Okay, uh, I'm going to move on now to agents. We've had a lot of talk on this podcast with Stuart about agents 
and their roles in the game. So, Keith, how do you view agents? Should we be doing more to control them? Do they deserve the money they get? Are they necessary? There's so many questions about them, but where do you stand with well, agents? Well, some players don't even have agents. I mean, there's been a, a few players that I've um, dealt with or reported on in the last couple of years who don't actually have them and do they do their, their stuff themselves or their dad does it or, or whatever. Um I mean, I, I think they're probably needed. I, I don't. If, I don't know how much they make out of deals. I don't know how much Josh Madger's agent Stuart might be better qualified to tell you that. I don't know what he would have made out of out of that deal. Um, I've not known any different really. They've just always been been there. Um, for me, um, I trust some. I don't trust others. Um, especially this time of year, you're quite often getting tips from agents that this might be happening and that might be happening. You go and check it out, and that's not the case. Sometimes you check it out and you land on a little nugget, golden nugget, and it's true, and nobody else knows about it. So you just don't know, and that is why, as I said earlier, um, if we ever get a tip from an agent or a representative of player or someone who knows someone that might be the agent, whatever, we would all, I would always, and I, I think I speak on behalf of the rest of my colleagues at Sky, we would always check that out I don't know whether all the other reports or papers are like that or not but I certainly can say that that we do that um, I don't think we're ever going to get away from them I think they're they're always going to be there I understand Stuart's frustrations with them I think he's come on record here and and spoken about but it's sadly just a, a situation that is, is always going to be there and players now as you saw with Josh Maybe I'm being unfair to him. Maybe he wasn't strong enough to deal with the situation himself and he needed the agent too. And okay, the agent, I don't know, maybe has made the decision for him in the end, but he's not been strong enough to say, no, hang on, I want to stay at Sunderland. Or he hasn't wanted to stay at Sunderland. Maybe that is, is true. I think players can hide behind them a little bit. But I do think with the money that is um, on um, on offer, I think the money that exchange hands, I think for a player to be dealing with that themselves when they've got to, you know, they're trying to keep themselves fit. They're thinking about games coming up at the weekend. They've got so much going on. I do think the agents need to be there to try and keep their mind away from things. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's quite, probably players quite often don't even know. If there's some interest in them, the agents may be told and they, maybe they just keep it back from the players a little bit because they know they probably wouldn't want that move or it's not the right thing for them. So, listen, it's, it's just the way football is these days. I, I wouldn't say I have a strong opinion for or against them. I just like it when they tell me correct information and I don't like it when they tell me wrong information. As simple as that, really. Yeah, yeah. Just... No, I mean, oh, listen, some of them will put information out that's going to help, but you, you learn over the years to pick, you know, certain pieces of information as to, you, you kind of learn if you're being spun a yarn or if it's correct information. Like you, you kind of, you can sometimes be wrong, but more often than not, often than not you can try and work out what's going on. And I think... Um, especially at this time of year, three or four days before the mm. transfer window, you're a little bit more on alert for, for, for things like that. Some exchange betting companies run short-lived promotions, like months-long offers of low commission. At BetDAG, we wanted to change the way we did things, so we set our commission at 2% permanently. That's 2% on football, horse racing, golf, almost any sport. 2%. That's just one way that BetDAC is changing for the better. For the better. Like you. BetDAC, the 2% commission exchange. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Okay, other targets. Kifa Moa has been mentioned a lot, and I think that to me seemed like an unrealistic transfer, but do you think it's a possible signing for Sunderland? Um, I'm told from contacts today that no. 
there's been no contact from Sunderland. Now, that's not from anyone at the club, that's from contacts elsewhere, but there's been no contact between Sunderland and Barnsley for the striker. Um, I understand they value him somewhere between £1.5 and £2 million. So that would take up all of, and maybe a little bit more of Sunderland's budget for this month. I think he's definitely a player they're keen on. I think he really impressed when he played against them early in the season, didn't he? I might be wrong in this, um, because we'll get onto this a moment in a moment about who Sunderland are looking to target, but I don't think he's one of the strikers that they think they're getting, unless this is wrong information I'm being given from out, uh, sources out with the club. Um, but I don't think, I think, well, they're looking to bring in two strikers. Um, my understanding is they're close to two. I don't think he's one of them. I yet could be wrong, but I, I don't think he's, I don't think he's one of them. I think he might just be a little bit out of their price range. Okay. Will Grigg, he's the one that's been mentioned. We've got a few questions about him, but yeah, how far apart are some of I think they've had the fifth offer turned down or fourth um, offer turned four. down? Four. They've had four offers. Yeah. Four offers turned down. Um, I'm told two of those offers were reached the the target that Wigan had put put had reached the um, the value that Wigan had put on his head. So two of those offers have matched the valuation of the player, but yet they've not accepted them. Hmm. So I mean they're digging, they're really digging their heels in here, Wigan. Um, my understanding though is it's close. I think it's close. Um, and I think there's, from what I'm hearing today, is that there's a, a late, another bid in the table. And I think Sunderland they're confident that they'll get him this time. I don't know why they, I don't know why they're confident that they've had four turn downs so yeah. far, but um, it sounds as though it was, it'll happen. I think there's a real concern over, over his injury. Um, and if that was going to keep him out for a, significant amount of time then it would have ruled out any move for him but I think it's he's only out for a couple of weeks with that I think he, I think he rolled his ankle so so I, I think Sunderland as I understand that are waiting to hear if their most recent bid has been accepted but they've had four already as I say two of them have matched their valuation and yet they're still waiting to hear back so I don't know maybe, maybe they're waiting until tomorrow I don't know but Sunderland hopeful of getting him I would, I would expect that one to go through. Do you think is he wanting to come here? Is this a desired move for him? Or yeah. Is he going to be dropping down a level? But... Well, he's not. It's not. He's not really done it in the championship, has yeah. he? I mean, every time he tries, to, he's get. You think he's getting a little chance? He gets another injury, and he's really struggled to get a, a run of games. But I think he sees Sunderland as a big club. And um, from what I'm hearing, I mean, he, I think he's excited by the challenge here, and he's done it in League One before, hasn't he? Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I, I think, I think, I think um, that side of things would be fine. I think the the personal terms and all that would be fine. I think it's just getting Wigan to accept the bid or one of these bids from Sunderland. But they've made it pretty clear that he's their number one target. I would expect to see Will Grigg standing holding a a, a red and white shirt <laughs> mm. by Thursday at some point. Have they got any? Um... Chance for him, potentially. <laughs> any, any potential, a good. Yeah. I don't know. I've never heard. I've never heard what any for no, him. Maybe it's thing about him being flammable. I mean, that's thing, that's <laughs> thing to go on. Maybe you know. I look forward to, to yeah. singing that. It. I might have used that joke before. I'm yeah. really sorry if I have. <laughs> yeah, not be the first. Not be the last. No. Just in terms of transfers, um, what I've learned today is that Sunderland are hopeful of two. They th- they reckon they're close to two strikers. One of them. I understand is Greg. The other one, I don't know. Um, 
and a couple could go out, I'm told. Now, you guys might know better than me who maybe hasn't been featuring as much and might go, but I'm told a couple might go out. So in addition to Jimmy Dunn, who obviously arrived a couple of weeks ago, they're hopeful of two more strikers, one of them being Greg, at least, I'm told, at least. So you might yet find, you might yet find three and there's Ledbetter as well. Ledbetter's three, and then they might and they might be one or one or two on top of that. It sounds as though it's going to be a busy week, mm-hmm. and that's just information I've kind of gleaned today. So, if there's two strikers, another one I've heard that they've been looking at um, is the young uh, Middlesbrough striker Stephen Walker. Now, I don't know if you've heard too much of this lad, but he's hot property. There's a lot of Premier League clubs looking at him. He's got a year and a half left in his contract. Middlesbrough very keen to give him a, a new long-term contract to try and fend off the interest from some of the, the vultures in the Premier League. He scored six and seven for England on under-19s, and they think he's going to be the, the real deal. I think Sunderland are uh, looking to see if they can try and bring him in here. I think they've got, they've got loans. They've got loans available, have they? Yeah, yeah, they don't actually have they've that. Only, they've only, the, the only loan we've got on the books now is Jimmy Dunn because Max Power's a permanent deal and the right. St. Jerome Sinclair back. Well, they're, well they're, they're, they're certainly interested in this guy. Whether he is the second one that I'm told they reckon they're close to, I don't know. But I know he is one they've looked at recently. Young, he's only 19 years old. But it sounds like he could probably do a, a job in, in League One and he sounds as though he might be a bit different to what, mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. you've already got. So, Greg, hopeful. Another striker hopeful, that may be Walker. I don't yet know, but I know they have been looking at him. Ledbetter, who I think we'll get on to in a second. And then potentially another one or two, depending how many they move out. But they reckon that a couple could go before 30. So if they do, that might then open up a space for another one or two to come in. So yeah, I mean, you might end up with, what, one, two? You might end up with three. By the sounds of it, you could end up with five. Try not to get too excited Mm. here, but that's all dependent on moving guys out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Ledbetter, um, I was expecting that one to go through. Like that was told Thursday. So yeah, I what's think it's been the delay. I think it's all agreed um, with Sunderland. I think Ledbetter and Sunderland has said their personal things, personal terms are agreed and whatnot. And as as you all know, he's taken a significant um, pay cut to come here and come back to his boyhood club. And I think he wants to be part of the project here. He'll increase his contract by an extra year to what he's got at Middlesbrough at the moment so I think he's willing to do that to come back home and play for Sunderland I think he just wants to be part of taking Sunderland back up the, the leagues again um, I think the hold up is at the Middlesbrough end I think he was still training there as far as I'm aware Thursday, Friday last week so um, he's still training there he's still got sort of his side of the deal there um, it's my understanding he'll have his medical tomorrow so if this goes out on Monday he'll have his medical on Monday mm-hmm. Um, on rear side so I would imagine that one will be complete at some point if not tomorrow Tuesday but I think I think Monday Ledbetter's loan deal and I think it's maybe not just in terms of a player but I think it's maybe a character that they need in there as well and he knows the club and he knows what it's all about and mm-hmm. you know I, I watched him a couple of times recently at Middlesbrough and he's, he's still got he's still got it so Ledbetter medical tomorrow as I understand it Greg they're close to another striker they're close to who I don't yet know who he is I've been told that Walker, Stephen Walker at Middlesbrough is a striker they're looking at so he could be him and then depending on who moves out they reckon two could go out up to two if two go out they might bring one or two in so the two out of your could be busy first team is well I, I don't know I was going to ask you this um, I'm well, not too sure I mean who I mean, a surplus in central midfield yeah. if we bring in Ledbetter when that goes through we will. Yeah, that, that's an interesting question really if there's how many did you say do you think would be going out two two right it could be a, 
I would probably guess a centre midfielder and a, probably a centre back. Unless uh, they want to get one of the big high earners off like an Oviedo or a Catamol, but I've been told well, I mean, Catamol's impossible yeah. to shift. Yeah, I mean, I mean these, I guys, mean, these guys yeah. are on such big money that it's difficult, really difficult to get them out. I mean, that would be great for the club if they managed to get one of these high earners out. You would think it would be more likely, listen, I'm making a stab in the dark here, but you think it'd be more likely maybe an Turk. Yeah. Or Leuven's like someone who's maybe not been maybe been featuring as much. And they brought in another centre back, so yeah. you would think centre yeah. back they've probably got. Yeah, and who they got? What midfielders? I mean, obviously McGeoch's been playing a lot more. The Powers done done a decent job. I mean, you guys have seen a lot more games than I have. But yeah, pa- Max Powers quieting down since, since his red cards. Right. Since the the is like but he's just red card. But he's just signed a new long term yeah. contract, yeah. hasn't he? So he's that's not, not going to happen. Well, yeah. and I thought. I mean, I watched him in the game against Man City. The the, um, he's, the game he's, the other night. He's uh, going to be a starter. I thought I thought he was excellent midfield, yeah. really good, just absolute bundle of energy. Um, so because obviously he can play a number of positions as well, you think he'll be there? I think who else have they got in midfield? You've got Honeyman, you've got Catamore, Honeyman, Honeyman's going to be there as a club captain. Robson, yeah. who's just came back from injury. He might, he might, you know what? They might loan him out. That might be one that they I might loan told out. That Robson's Jack Ross really likes Robson, right? But they might, he's but he's not, but he's not going to get in at the moment, is he? Yeah. So they might loan him out for the end to the end of the season. The other one, uh, I suppose you could say, could a championship team want Aidan McGeady? Mm. You know, is it possible that the might? I mean, uh, this is me stabbing it. I've got no mm. idea. But Aidan McGeady, big wage earner, could he be one? Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, as we sit here on Sunday night, this is this is all speculation. Quarter past six. I know two could go. I'm told two could go. I honestly don't know who they are. I'm guessing a little bit. I might know more by tomorrow. But sitting here just now on Sunday night, I don't know who those two are. So yeah, it could be it could be great news for the company. It could be the higher earners. It might be the younger players. I don't know, but this certainly could open up space for others to come. Because as you know, managers these days they work in numbers, don't they? Mm-hmm. They want they, want, yeah. they just essentially want two players for every position. Mm-hmm. You go into Jack Ross's office and you see that on his board. He's got two for every. And Coleman, Chris Coleman was the same before that. So that's just the way they operate. So if two go, then that opens up a door for a couple others to come in. Okay. The fact that you've not said. Don Love though, Connor. Donald Love. Well, there was another one I thought, yeah. and I didn't. I mean, he's what's he's the injured. situation? Is he injured? Is he? Uh, he's been he's, he's he? been injured forever. Yeah, I, I, I just think, thought I he'd think... been not. I just thought he was like not being picked at all. No, I, that... he's, he's, I mean, if I'm perfectly honest, I don't think he's very good at yeah, all. I looked through so. the squad list earlier, um, trying to sort of work out who these could be, and the ones that's, that jumped out were Leuven's, Ozturk, mm-hmm. Love. Um, obviously Catamore but someone would have to pay massive wages for him I think he's completely unshiftable from from our position yeah. Catamore I think um, we are lumbered with him mm. until his contract runs down McGeady maybe but again he's been one of your better players this season Robson potentially mm. in loan and then I'm getting down I'm down at the strikers obviously none of the strikers I can't see well he's so short up front now that neither White or what more are going to go Mm-mm. so yeah I don't think I mean it sounds as though maybe guys who haven't been getting a game as much yeah. I, I'd be very surprised if he allowed someone to leave who was a regular starter yeah. you know I mean, as you say Oviedo and McGeady will both be on good money but I think it's really bad business to sell either of those I think they're both big assets in this division uh, I think Donald Love is injured he's going to be sidelined until February right okay so he's not leaving. Yeah, so there we are. Well, I That's mean, he him. could, I suppose, but I don't see a reason why anybody would be wanting to air. Uh... Well, if, say, say Ozturk was to go, you would have, who are you going to have? You're going to have Jimmy Dunn, the new signing. You've got Flanagan, Baldwin, mm-hmm. and Leuven. So you've got four. You only need four. Yeah. I would imagine Leuven's or Ozturk are one of the two because I've, because I've got Dunn yeah. in. And then we're probably thinking a midfielder because I think as well, if they're looking at an extra, if they're looking at three and then maybe an extra two, 
they're probably going to want to bring in another midfielder as well because we need a bit of physicality in there. So what on top of Ledbetter? On top of Ledbetter, really? Do you think? Well, because I, mean, I can't say that happening. The thing is, my midfield is quite lightweight, it's isn't it? Bullied. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then, yeah, I know it is lightweight, but then Ledbetter's not like that, and you shouldn't be. I mean, Max Powers, mm. yeah, puts a foot in. Oh, Nyan was the other night. It's just that I know what you mean. They're kind of they're more small in stature, aren't yeah. they? Mm-hmm. Kind of similar. They're, they're, sort they're of not. Players. They're not six foot five and sixteen stone. But you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go as far to say the soft lads. You know, they're not. Yeah. They're not getting. They're not getting completely trampled. But there are games when the physicality comes through. You know, I think as is the case with mm. a, a lower league of football, that physicality often takes precedent over natural ability. Yeah, definitely. Know, like a, a flair player. You know, if he's getting bullied off the ball, he's getting bullied off the ball. And that, that's kind of how it can go. But I mean, I've not seen enough. I've not seen that many games this season, if I'm totally honest. But the games that I have watched, I feel maybe the one thing that's maybe been missing is someone who can run, run with it from mm. midfield. You know, a leggy midfielder who can get up and down the the pitch. Um, I think Jack Russell probably realised that yeah. as well, and that's maybe whereas the players you've got in there, they're all decent on the ball and can put in a tackle. But I'm not sure if they can travel. No, with box the ball. to box. Yeah. I think. I mean, the hope is is max power is that and he was that at the start of the season but he seems to have quietened down um, right I'm going to move on to players we have brought in so we've got a question from Jake Collinson who's going to look into your hearts knowledge and ask <laughs> what you thought of Jimmy Dunn while he was there yeah I thought he was excellent so I watched quite a few hearts games earlier on in the season um, I couldn't believe when I heard he was 21 because I watched a couple of matches and I knew they had him on loan and I was like, this guy looks... He was just controlling the defence. He was talking the rest of the defenders through it. And I assumed he was, you know, maybe 24, 25. I couldn't believe it when he was 21. He looks older as well. I mm. um, was very impressed with him. A couple of games I saw and then I went up to the semi-final against Celtic and Murrayfield where they lost 3-0. Um, and it wasn't his fault that day, but it was just a poor team performance all round. And then he picked up an injury after that and then kind of struggled a little bit. But... The Hearts fans loved him, loved him, thought he did really well. And I think I think for Craig Levine, the manager, I think he would have loved to have had Christoph Berra, who's the club captain, who was injured for a, a big chunk of the season so far. I think he'd have loved to have played the two of them together and he just wasn't really able to do that at any stage. Um, but Dunn marshaled the defence when he just joined the team. And I don't know if you remember, but Hearts were top of the league mm-hmm. away up at the start. They did a great start to the season. I think they were unbeaten in the first eight or nine matches. Had a great start and then they lost a couple and they lost... Through injury, Berra, Ikpiezu, and uh, Stephen A. Smith, essentially their three big biggest players, mm-hmm. best players, lost them all, and then things went downhill a little bit after that. Um, but I thought it was great. And when I heard Sunderland were signing him, I thought that is the exact sort of person, character, leader, it's certainly at such a young age that they need. And I think Jack Ross spoke afterwards and he he described him as a, a leader, even at that age. So, yeah, I think it's a good signing. But then I, I remember saying that I thought Oztip would be a good signing mm. as well. And it's not really worked out for him. But I think with him, he's had his real problems mm. getting fit, hasn't he? Whereas Dunn's walked into the team there, having had four or five months at Hearts playing every week and got used to the physical nature of things, whereas Ostok hadn't played for a while. So, mm-hmm. And in League One, being fit is, yeah. is the is the first thing you need. That being said, mind, uh, I know it's only a youth team they were playing against, but when Ostok played against Man City's under-21s, he had a really good game. Mm. I mean, he was, for me, the, the best player on the pitch. I remember he put this, um, uh, this tackling in the box, this sliding tackle this player was running through, and it was like... Like you couldn't have like you couldn't have sort of like envisioned like a better sort of mm. like tackle to cut out. Yeah, I remember one on one. Yeah, listen, he was good for Hearts, but I, I, I played for Hearts, didn't he? Yeah, course, yeah, yeah. But if I remember rightly, 
we had him when he was when Hearts were in, I think Hearts were in the championship at the time. So I mean, it wasn't the same. Scored that goal against Hibs. I mean, he scored that four in the championship. Was it? Um, the well, I can't remember now because Hearts were both down in the championship together for one mm-hmm. season. But I can't remember which is bad. But when Hearts signed him, they were in the championship and the standard of football there was a lot less. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a big standard, a big drop. Imagine. Yeah, I think he came back up and was playing in the in the Scottish Premiership, but then he was in and out of the team a little bit. But I thought he would be okay in League One. Um, but listen, as I said earlier sometimes it works for you sometimes mm. doesn't I don't think it overnight makes him a bad player I think just sometimes you get the right fit somewhere or you or you don't but like you said I, yeah. thought, he was, I thought he was decent last week yeah. against Man City in that match I think with Ball with Flanagan there that he's third rate you know and I think he's probably going to stay yeah. third rate and with Jimmy Dunn there I think that's going to push him even further down the pecking order I think by, by right as you say it's, I don't think it's just going to work it's just probably just not going to work out mm. I don't think I think I just don't think he's He's just not, not as good as the people around him, mm. really. And while he's proven himself not to be a bad player in the, the cup runs, but it's just not going to be a sort of prominent part of his career, mm. I don't think, Sunderland. John McLaughlin, also a Hearts mm. player. Are you surprised as how well he's well, I mean, doing? Well, no, he was excellent last season for Hearts. Excellent. And no no surprise that he was called into the Scotland squad. I think Sunderland did brilliantly to get him. Brilliantly, he was. I think it was hard to play of the year last season. So he's you got, been you got in the Scottish team of the year. I yeah, think. yeah, Scottish team of the year. Um, into Scotland squad. I think he's third choice now behind uh, Alan McGregor and Craig Gordon. Um, another former Hearts player. Yeah, another one. Yeah, <laughs> they've all been there at some stage. But um, yeah, no. Listen, and as, again, I've not seen a whole lot of him this season. But by all accounts, he's been excellent, hasn't he? So, oh, like, he's yeah, been yeah. absolutely. He's been our MVP. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some of the saves he's made are just. Astounding. Well, he saved the penalty really for a start in Sunderland. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, should like be enough to win him yeah. any award. <laughs> Finally. And Dylan McYark as well, he's struggled to put his stamp on the team. Are you surprised that he hasn't been Oh, bit of a controversial uh, statement about McGeoch that might I'm know. a big fan of McGeoch. I, I said when they signed I said when you signed him, I said he should be could and should be the best player in League One. Like on his day, he's mm. phenomenal. His passing range is great, but I think he's only be the first to admit just over the years he's just had so many problems with injury and he's really finds it difficult to get going and then obviously because you've, you're quite heavy in bodies and they said now you're getting lead better in there as well yeah. it's, and Jack's obviously mixed it up a little bit but I think once he gets going and um, I think if if he try if he get if manages to get injury free, I think he'd be a great signing for you. And I, def, I definitely think he's championship level. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think he's I think he's playing below his level in League One. Um, but I mean, he had a, it was unbelievable for Hibs last season. Unbelievable. Him and John McGinn, the two of them in midfield together were excellent. And Hibs have Hibs have struggled really struggled since the two have gone. But he's a, he's a he's a top top player and a good guy as well. Yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm a big fan of Big York, and I hope that he does get a run in the team. But I do think Sunderland fans are. Yeah, a bit funny with him. I just think there's a big hustle for spots in the first team. You know, George Honeyman logically as captain reserves a spot if he's fit, and then it's a scramble for the rest. Mm. As far as I'm aware, anyway, you know, O nine gets in at right back every now and then, but then with Ledbetter and the rest, and as you say, it's got plenty of really hard for him to stand out. He's played well so far, but the he's never looked like a. He's, he's he's never looked like a match winner, even though he makes a massive contribution when he's playing well. You know, he plays what you'd give a seven out, seven, eight out of ten performance, but the role he does, it doesn't, I think, feel as substantial as scoring a goal or saving a penalty. Mm. So I think because, he gets, because, because he's caught in that middle ground and he does a great job of steering the ship, it's not seen as as important. Yeah. But obviously, you know, like a team's a team is a sum of its parts. You know, he, he was Jack Ross's number one target 
Miguel, mm-hmm. Miguel in, this, in the summer. He was a man he really wanted in. I don't know, you maybe just got a little snapshot about how good he could be on Tuesday night in that match yeah. against Manchester. Did you see the ball, the pass he played out to Lyndon Gooch for the second goal? Yep. When you look and you're like, how would you get it? It was like playing it through the Ivan Needle and he managed to just get enough what they call swaz on it to get around mm-hmm. the defender and out to him. And it was just inch perfect. Oh, it was just, it was... I remember when he did it, I was obviously the game and I was like, and I was on air doing the updates and I was like, oh, what a ball. And that was before obviously the goal winner because yeah. it was just such a good pass. Mm-hmm. And he's got that in his locker to just eliminate a couple of players with a pass. But he needs to get a run of games to do that. And obviously, Gooch finished it off brilliantly to, for us to remember it better. But um, he has that in his locker. And I, do, I know you're saying he puts out fires, but he, trust me, he's got more than that. Mm-hmm. He's just I just don't think he's had, quite had the platform to show it yet. Okay, last thing on current transfers is more of it. Is there any other players Sunderland fans should be looking out for? Well, I've kind of mentioned them already. I mean, yeah. the, the name that was mentioned to me there was Walker. Um no more at the moment um, in terms of names, but it sounds as though on top of Ledbetter and Greg, you're going to get another another one at least. So um, I, I'd be surprised. I'm very surprised if Kiefer Moore happens from what I'm hearing today from uh, sources at Barnsley. Um, and as again, I think he's probably out with the, the price range. But no, I, I've certainly not been given any more names at this mm-hmm. stage. But... You know, it sounds as though it sounds as though they're pretty active. It sounds as though they're trying to get a, a couple done, and I think they know how crucial this window is. Plus, you've got to remember Josh Madger, He didn't just play one role, did he? He could play the ten, he could play mm-hmm. the nine, he could so he, he could kind of do a few different jobs. So you've got to look at it like that as well. Tell you, sorry, just I've had a brainwave. Tell you who might be one of the two players going is is right there. Not a possibility for a player that could go. I was thinking that, but it depends if they can bring Strychek back. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. I, I, don't know. I, I just, mm. I just think that it, that's he's out of contract at the end of the season. Well, I think that's entirely possible. There's also yeah. there's a few actually who are out of contract. You know, if Adam Matthews was attracting mm. interest, he's on big money, like. But mm. well, I mean, if you want, if you could, you know, you, you could. I think if you cashed it on right, then you're making a profit because you got him for nothing from yeah. from Utrecht. Is that how you see it? Yeah, Utrecht, Utrecht. Utrecht. Right, mm-hmm. I'll do. Uh, right, we're going to move on. There's some a few general questions, mm-hmm. and we'll probably. Good for another 15 20 minutes, is yeah. that all right? Yeah, Aye. okay. So, first one from Adam Pearson What's your relationship like with Stuart Donald and Co., and how does it differ to Martin Bain and Ellis Short? Um, listen, Stuart's great, I mean, he really is. Uh, I know I said earlier I was a little bit disappointed about him saying about the montage of goals, but listen, these things happen. He's he's great for the he's great for the club. I mean, he's very transparent. I mean, the fact he comes on and the relationship he has with you guys, I think, is a very good thing. Makes it difficult for us at times because he's like giving you guys lines and we're having to go and check them out. But he's good, and I, I would say I have a decent relationship with him. Um, he's very, he's very open and, and honest, and there is a real, there's a, I think there's a, there's a trust there. I never had any relationship with Ellis Short beforehand. I think I met him once. Um, he was an absent owner wasn't he so you just yeah. never saw the guy no. but I knew Martin Bain from Rangers before and I used to work at the club up at Rangers when Martin Bain was there so we obviously had that and he was he was good for me as well and it, I kind of got got a bit lucky I suppose that, right. that I knew him you saw um, um, Mellor Short one more time than uh, Chris Coleman did but this was just like a passing I think this was at the, this was down at the um, the cup final uh, way back in 2014 way back then when I saw him so like in the in the latter years there was absolutely no sign of him as, oh, as no. you're well aware Mar- Martin Bain I think also in the documentary um, I know he got a lot of criticism from fans but I think the documentary showed just how difficult life was for him, how much he was working with his hands tied. And I think it's probably, it's helped him because I think the Sunderland fans obviously 
didn't have a good opinion of him, but I think that showed just how difficult life was and what he was working with. So certainly I had a decent relationship with him because I've worked with him before. Um, I thought he was doing as good a job as he possibly could have. He was very unlucky with like what was happening in terms of the, and the managers were with injuries and whatnot. And, but he tried his best. He really did try his best. And I think Stuart's a completely different character. He goes about things completely differently, but I think he's doing the job that the Sunderland fans have wanted for a long time and his transparency is the one thing that, that you've asked for and that's mm. what you're getting. Now sometimes, and I'm sure he'll admit himself, he could probably, he's probably sometimes too honest and it might it might cost him certain things, but I think you would rather have that than you'd have someone who doesn't even mm. answer your calls or, yeah. you know, is just completely off the radar. So, you know, I mean, fair play to him. I think he's he's doing a decent job. He's doing a decent job so far. We've got a question from Black Cat Yank, and he he you've touched this already, but he says number one that he can't wait for this podcast, but number two, um, from a media standpoint, does Stuart Donald's transparency make your job easier or more difficult? Probably more That's difficult. Yeah, probably yeah. more. As I said to you a moment ago, it's um, <laughs> well, the magic thing, for example, you know, I mean, normally you would just run that line, and of course. Him and I are essentially racing each other to get them, <laughs> get them laying out. The whole thing just seems so surreal. But he obviously is in a position of power there where he can say what he wants. And the fans, I mean, listen, the fans are quite rightly going to believe him rather than believe me. And we were saying the same thing, but just maybe putting it out slightly di- slightly differently. So, um, no, it's, it's, there's, a, there's a name I put out a couple of um, few weeks ago. It said Sunderland and Intra. I can't remember why I didn't. What was the reason for me not checking? I can't remember. But I think it was just a bit of a throwaway one I can't remember why I put it out but anyway someone said is this true about I can't remember who the name was now is this true about just replied no <laughs> and I was like oh god to help you that then right? I need to make sure I check so of course when the magic thing happened the week after I said like, right I need to make sure to check this with them and then of course it escalated in what, into what it did but listen at least with Stuart we're, in, we're under no illusions as to what's happening like there's nothing like, there's, there's no grey area you know so, so what's better though having the situation at Newcastle where it, it's just impossible. Like, well, number one, they're not yeah. signing anyone. But having somebody like Mike Ashley or having somebody like Stuart Donald, what's better for you as a reporter? Stuart Donald, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I definitely. suppose Mike Ashley's a bit of an anomaly, isn't he? Uh, actually, yeah. there, there's a there's an offhand question. How many times, if at all, have you met Mike Ashley? Um, again, twice, I think. Right. Yeah, well, and again, it's been fleeting uh, meetings with him. Aye. But it's it's a, it's, a, it's a real difficult situation for everyone in Newcastle. I mean, you guys were in it yourself mm. not so long ago. Mm-hmm. But the situation at, at Newcastle is far more toxic right now than oh. than, than what than what you are. Hey, for, um, for all of Ellis Short's fault with his absences, I'm infinitely grateful that he isn't Mike Ashley. Yeah, or that he wasn't Mike Ashley either. Or you know, there's a way of going about it though. Newcastle fans. Go I mean, about it in a different way to every well, kind of worms. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I'm already dreading Thursday standing outside the training ground on deadline day. Are you going to stand outside? Are well, you going to be behind the lock well, gate? Well, we actually don't know yet. We're waiting to find out where we're going to be. But I think if I'm not, I, th- I think I'm not behind the gate. I'm going to need a couple of security guards anyway. <laughs> I was going to say you don't <laughs> want things getting put in your ear. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, maybe I do. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe you do uh, maybe. but yeah so no I'm listening I'm dreading that I mean fingers I know you guys won't want to hear this but fingers crossed they do get they do some business because it's just going to make I mean I had a, I really enjoyed deadline day last January when they brought in Dubravka and yeah. uh, Slimani because it was just kind of last minute and there was private jets arriving we're racing off to the airport to get shots of them and 
you know, okay, they were, these weren't huge names, but it was things going on and things to talk about. Let me tell you, there's nothing more demoralising when you're standing there for 16, 17 hours outside a training ground or outside a stadium and all you've got to talk about is a guy who's been sent out on loan, you know, someone who's not featured for a year and a half and you're having to just <laughs> yeah. go over the old, the same things over and over again. So I'd love it. Please, if you're listening, Mike Ashley, Lee Charnley, uh, just keep a couple for Thursday, will you? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's the last we'll Actually, we probably will end up talking about Newcastle because people still say that you're a mag and there's probably questions related to that. This is when Ashley comes out and says, yeah, she's a massive loyal listener of the Roker Report. (laughs) Could be. Just to wind them up. That's why we're going to have a bit of Newcastle in there because we've got a lot of Newcastle listeners. So, Oh, do you? Well, I imagine they go to our games, so I wouldn't listen to the podcast. Yeah, Conaghy's a back. He's a mag. Yeah, that's true. Well, that's not true. I'm from Northumberland. That's not my territory. From Blythe is mag territory. This isn't the time. Um, okay, I've got a question here from Alex Campbell. If we do not make any significant signings, which looks likely, what do you think the damage will be between owner stroke fans? The fans have got right behind the club and the owner has done all the right things. So it, this is the first potential ground for disappointment. Mm, no, I don't think so. I think there's a, a real element of trust. I mean, you guys can answer that question better than me, but from the outside looking in, it looks as though there is a, a trust between owner, manager, supporters. And it sounds as though he's doing everything he can to get in the players. And that's all you can ask. It's not like he's sitting there just hoping for something to fall at the last minute. It's behind the scenes, they're working very hard. Um, I think they will. I, I mean, I, I think the question's not irrelevant, but I do think he'll get a couple in. I do think. But I, I don't think, even if you weren't to, and the worst was to happen, I don't think. I mean, there might be a few people questioning, saying, hang on, have we got any any money here? But I think the owner has been so transparent in everything mm. he said that you can't you can't criticise him. What's no, your I think, so, oh, sorry, go on, no, Alex. Yeah, well, that, yeah, no, I was going to say, yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's fairly apparent that there is money to spend mm. and that the club is, you know, like actively seeking out new players. So whether those be the first choice targets or not, I'd be very, very surprised if you got no one. You know, if you got to the first of February and you just signed no one, I think that would be that would, that would be quite astonishing. You know, mm. given given how much activity is going on at the club. You know, whether whether or not it's it's it, I mean, it hasn't bared an awful lot of fruit right now. Obviously, Jimmy Dunn. You know, as we've been able to affirm so far, seems like a good signing. You know, obviously, you've had only good things mm. to say about him, Keith. But yeah, you know, like I'd be very surprised if they didn't sign anyone at all I think I would players. be ama- amazed amazed if you don't get in minimum two and obviously yeah. I'm, cl- I'm including in the two I'm including mm-hmm. Greg and Ledbetter yeah. on top of that I think there will be I'd be yeah. amazed if you don't get at least two in I mean even Simon Grayson's skint Sunderland got three in on deadline day <laughs> yeah. so surely Stuart Donald and Jack Ross's you know like fairly well off for League One Sunderland are going to get a few in on the on the day itself potentially have a couple wrapped up before then I mean Ledbetter should be done by then I love no, a scarf pick too. I love yeah, a scarf I do pick. love a good scarf pick it's not official uh, I think a scarf pick we've got a question here and I think it's a good time to evaluate this where did we see Sunderland being at this stage at the start of the season and do you think we'll improve second half or get worse who's that to me either um, to I, I think you're where you could expect to be I think it's been a pretty respectable start um it keeps it interesting if nothing like nothing else. Mm. If you're running away from the neutral yeah, standpoint, if you're running away with them, it get a little bit boring. But, no, um, I would love that. But when you look, but when you look at the table, um, you've got a couple of games in hand. I think you win those, and you're right, you're right up there. You know, I mean, I think the manager will admit there's been far too many draws. Um, but it's a new team, it's a new division, it's a new owner, and I think 
I think it's been. I mean, I think I think Jack the other week there said it's been an all right, all right start, as he would say in in, now, in our <laughs> Scottish accent. But I would say it's been better than that. I would say it's been more than satisfactory. But you need to go and finish the job now. We don't know what's going to happen. I think the way it started and the way you've been playing, I'd like to think that now you've got a, you're going to go on a little run. There's been you know turn these draws into wins, and um, I know obviously a few of the players have been a little bit flat mm. in the last few weeks. But they've been flat, and you're still right up there in contention. Yeah. So that's not that's not a bad thing. If you were flat and you were losing all these, and you suddenly went 15 points off the top, then I'd be concerned. But you're still up there, and uh, also at this time, mm. yeah, the fans are going to help massively with the you know being mm. get, you know the amount of fans who come along to watch, and I think they can help you get over the line. I, I would, I would, I still reckon you'll go up. And that's it again. If if um if at your absolute worst, you're drawing one one. And I think you've not got an awful lot of problems. I've, I think I've said this before, but you know, if 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 Sunderland playing, you know, football where they could be an awful lot better, and they're still not losing, then that's a hell of a difference from the team that we've seen the past two seasons. You know, like bad Sunderland two seasons ago was a equivocally a very much different term. You know, that was a Sunderland that would lose five two to Ipswich. You know, that was a team that yeah. would lose four 0 to Cardiff. That would, I mean. I mean, there was so many in the Moyes era, but I can't. I say, you know what? You know what you're going to get from this group. Don't yeah. You? yeah, you do. Like yeah. there's there's a there's a trust there mm-hmm. that the players are going to go yeah. out and, and battle for mm-hmm. you. Um, Two or three new signings come in. Team gets galvanised. Mm. Some of the players have gone a bit quiet. Get a bit louder again. Suddenly, you know, you're going on. You're going on streaks of winning three um, and drawing one. I think you're second and first. Is it seven? No, is it five? When next seven or at home? It's a big, it's a big run. Mm. And I also think Watmore getting a goal the other night. I know, I know, Jack Ross has been very keen to ensure that no pressure is put on him. But I think yeah. that was a big moment him scoring mm-hmm. that goal the other night. And he, he, just gives him that little bit of confidence. And you could see it, in yeah. This game yeah. And if he can now, if he can get over mm-hmm. the last couple of years, which have been hell for him, and you know, maybe you don't need another striker. If you've got Duncan Watmore playing up front, you'd have probably the best striker in League One. You know, so if he could finish, it'd be phenomenal. Yeah, with this division, like I mean, like as in beyond good enough for League One. I think if he could, if he was a, if he was an out and out clinical finisher, which I dare say isn't, he isn't to be fair. You know, like he's, you know, like he can get that, mm. he, he can get that confidence. And we've seen him in the Premier League score goals, but I don't think he's a, I don't think finishing is the best part of his game. It's there, but if it was phenomenal, if it was the, if it was the best part of his game, say to the extent of which it was Madge's. I think he wouldn't be anywhere near this division. I think, you know what I mean? I think had he been fit, he would have gone long ago well, if he could do all of that. We had your colleague Tom White in here the other week and he said that yeah. there was a huge offer uh, going to come in for him when we were in the Premier League before he got injured. For what more? Yeah, so in that January with under Moyes, he, there was a big offer going to be in for him. Who from? Remember. I can't remember that. He didn't, didn't say who it was from, but he said that there was a massive mm. offer going to come in that they were going to accept oh, when he got injured. God, thinking back now. Uh, I, can't, I, I can't remember that one, if I'm honest with you. I mean, it was definitely some sort of envious glances when he was, you know, when he hit the, when he came in and he was, he scored a couple and two or three games in a row. Yeah, he did really well under Allardyce, and then he, yeah. when he got going with Defoe and Anichibi, mm-hmm. there was a period where they looked brilliant. We we're going to stay up, and everything was going to be lovely. Three 0 win over Norwich with Allardyce was a great game from how many? He just ran the show. Well, that, that was game. the last. That was the last game he scored. Oh, it was, wasn't it? That was the last game he scored until the other night there. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's been through such a tough time. Right, that is um, the last game. Yeah, yeah, good, good. I mean, listen, he's definitely minimum championship level, potentially Premier League. But obviously, he knows himself. He has to, he has to go and prove that. But he's listen. He's done well to fight back from what's been a torturous time. 
How did you find the Netflix documentary? I presume you've, you've watched it? Yeah, I did watch it. Yeah, yeah. Are I you mean, in it? Uh, I was in it a few times, but it's strange because had it been any other year, we would have probably been in it a lot more because Deadline Day, they made a big thing about Deadline Day, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Throughout on both the yeah. summer and the winter transfer window. And obviously had Sunderland at that stage been in the Premier League and they were doing the documentary then, we would have, I think we'd had a lot more prominent part because they would have probably been out doing things with us when we were standing in the in the car park or at the stadium doing stuff. So because obviously you're in the championship, we we would uh, collate all our championship news from London and would normally have one of the reporters presenting the news, all the championship news from the studio. And we only send a designated reporter to each of the, the Premier League clubs. So when Newcastle were in the championship and you were in the Premier League, I was at Sunderland. And then obviously when you were in the championship and you, I'm at Newcastle and I'm, all, I'm going to be at Newcastle on Thursday. So we, we didn't feature that prominently. And I think I was in it a couple of fleeting appearances, but... And I think there was one point where they had my voice um, from a package about the Darren Gibson incident when he got, you know, the, the drinking mm-hmm. in the bar. And um, it was my voice and they had Martin Bain driving along in his car listening to the radio. And it was my voice. And I'm like, hang on, how am I, how am I on the radio here? <laughs> so they're taking it from a piece. So yeah. there were, if, if you work in TV and you and you know how it works in terms of the editing side of things, there were a lot of, shall we say, mistakes. I don't even want to say mistakes, but let's say, let's say clever editing to try yeah. and make. There was a lot of things like Adam uh, Kappa, who's the, who's the press officer, who's a, a mate of mine. And uh, you saw him and he goes, wait, do you see this? But he's walking on the corridor with, I think it's a Coleman, Chris Coleman in his white shirt. And then he opened the door and he walked in, he had the navy blue. Just little mm-hmm. things like that. And there was a few mistakes. And Ovi Ajaria standing in the yeah. tunnel, they zoomed in him before the Celtic match in pre-season. He hadn't even joined at that stage. So, yeah. And then sometimes they cut to the fans Sure uh, an away game when they were, yeah. yeah. So there were a lot of uh, to the to the trained eye. You could see there were mistakes. There was clever editing. I mean, the interview with Darren Gibson, they used at the time of the incident, like when he, you know, right at the start and maybe mm. episode two or three. But that interview was obviously done away at the end of the season when he was mm. back and before he had the, the the next problem. So yeah, they they used the the interviews to their advantage. I mean, I remember seeing. Um, Jason Steele in, in his car with his big massive furry coat on and it was like the end of pre-season and it yeah. was like 25 degrees yeah. outside so yeah there was listen but I thought in general I thought it was very watchable um, and I, I watched it in two sittings so I watched two lots of four and I thought I thought it was really good and um, I think fans of other clubs are interested I mean I've had a lot of people who I know don't support Sunderland a lot of friends in Scotland messaging saying oh they saw it and they thought it was good so um, yeah I thought it was and interested to see the the next stage of it really well that's it though isn't it I think when I was watching it at first I, th- I was going into it thinking right I'm going to see I'm going to watch this and I'm going to reflect after each episode and think if I was a neutral if I just wasn't a fan of any northeast club if I had no bias to or, or like for or against Sunderland would I enjoy this and I came when I just thought yeah that was just like you know I mean as you say there are going to be so many consistencies there you know I think it's quite hard to get everything exactly in line with reality but i just thought the whole the, the way it was put together you know i mean the, the narrative flowed perfectly i mean mm. given that the, the nature of the the like the tragic story of the season put it on a plate for them uh, you know to open to not to open another can of worms too much you know i think it was a bit harsh that you know simon grace and maybe not being as suave as coleman was just sort of like the you know the the incompetent manager while coleman was like the the, the tragic hero but you know the way it was all put together was was great, and it wasn't it wasn't dramatized and it wasn't mundane. It was sort of on. It was like it was just sort of for me pitch perfect, and yeah. I think it encapsulated a you know like a football club on a heavy decline. You know very well. The one thing I think it missed was the the Man City 
um, dressing room stuff. You know, they had Pep in mm. the dressing room, and that was for me that made that one. Mm-hmm. And obviously, neither Grayson nor Coleman wanted them in the dressing room. I think it's different if you're winning, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah and you can, listen, you can you can understand that. And it did. It was. It did lose a little bit by not having that. But it was definitely gritty. Mm-hmm. I thought it was great that they involved a lot of the people behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Like John O'Shea was saying the other day, like, you know, the, the girl in the canteen, the chef and the yeah. kit men and all that. The taxi that, driver. that was great. Yeah, taxi driver. But I thought the footage, I thought the match footage was brilliant. I love mm-hmm. the way they did the, it almost reminded me of, remember that film, remember that film Goal? Yeah. It was a bit like that, you know, <laughs> yeah. like the kind of match footage. I thought that was, that was really cool the way they yeah. did that. Um, but very watchable mm. and and I enjoyed it. It was certainly a lot better than I thought it would be when yeah. when I saw them filming and every press conference they were there they were and I'm like, sure, what are they, what are they getting out of every? But they only use little bits of different ones. Yeah, so. I think they said to me they had two hundred thousand hours, Christ, to 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 sift through. Yeah, sounds uh, like fun, doesn't it? All right, give us yeah. the director's cut. But yeah, but also, I mean, they have to send it to Netflix and then Netflix have to go, then they go, no, we don't like this. And then they'll critique it and then they have to find use of the building that just mm. took. I bet the whole thing's quite arduous. Mind you, <laughs> honestly, yeah, I hadn't really considered, to be honest, the possibility of having like changing room dialogue in there. But that'd be huge. If they had that, that would make yeah. it for me absolutely perfect. Yeah. Imagine having, I mean, I know Grayson spoke about it in interviews and stuff, but like um, that... Like like the moment after the three three against Bolton, where he comes into the changing room, debriefs them, and then says, "Right, I've been sacked. You know, pleasure working with you. I'm off." That would have been if he had that on camera. That mm. I bet that would have been like mm. iconic. I mean, I could understand why he himself wouldn't want that. Yeah, it was all a little bit low key that the way he yeah. went, wasn't it? I was, I was yeah, I mean, waiting for that to happen. Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds like it's been done quite dirty, really. But I mean, obviously, I don't know the full ins and outs. I just know that he's, you know, he literally just you know walked down the, the tunnel and then you know Ellis Short ordered the shot on him and next thing you know he's off and that's pretty well, much it, it. Was, I think it was Martin Bain who did I think it was Martin Bain who made the decision oh no I, I could have sworn in, his in the documentary it says that it was Ellis Short I yeah think, apparently really? Short had spoke to Bain and told him to, to, to sack Grayson right, essentially okay. I, I don't think it was I don't think it was the decision made by Bain himself I, I mean, I, I, I honestly I'm don't surprised know how much of a swing Ben had over Short. Ellis Short was at the first game of that season because I saw him, and I know that he spoke to Grayson and came in the dressing room and said hello to all the players. I'm surprised that wasn't on. I was waiting for that to appear yeah. on the documentary. He might not yeah. have. He might not have um, uh, given them consent to have him on. I think they did a. They went actually over to America and did an interview with him, or maybe they're in London and did a big piece with him, uh, with Ellis. And that was going to form part of the docu, and then I think they realised as it went along, and they started editing it that it was more a piece about the fans rather than mm. about him. And I think they decided to not bother using so that any of the interview. interviews. As just I, yeah, as I, as I understand it, they did an interview with him, and then decided that it wasn't adding anything to the story. Mm. Why wouldn't they just put it in? Like, why wouldn't they release it separately or something? Because I don't know. That they would be interesting. I don't know. They obviously just felt. Well, you're saying that as a fan, but they, I think they felt the the real sort of getting in about the fans and you know the guy getting a tattoo and you know following them to the matches and the biggest draw of the whole thing was the narrative it was the way it flowed and the way it sort of like you were you were like on the couch with the fan as he's talking about his club you know and you're sort of you're going with them to the games and you're sort of like reliving for well reliving for us you know living for anyone else the experience of you know plummeting the league one in that season Mm -hmm. that was the biggest part I think if you one thing I did personally find a bit jarring, which I think it honestly could have maybe done without, was like the Pickford interview. To be honest, I mm. thought that was good. But as you say, I think that I think the short interview would have made the same mistake as that for me, where it sort of it was just like 
it felt to me quite shoehorned in. Yeah, it was a bit random. Because I think it? by then, by then, I think Pickford's gone. You know, I think I don't think he's part of the story anymore. Mm. I think if you're going to cover that, I think it would have been best off right at the start. You know, get the lads who had gone out of the way and you know sort of focus on the here and now. But that was just sort of for me quite jarring, and I I, I can see how a short interview, slap bang in the middle. You know, one minute you're one minute it's a minging sort of you know it's, it's a minging summer's evening. Oh, sorry, no, no, like a minging like winter's evening, and you're losing two 0 to Preston, and then suddenly we're in Arizona with Ellis Short, mm. you know, talking about why he doesn't want to be part of the club yeah. anymore. But it wouldn't really have fit, I think. And I think the whole, I think the the the, the local consistent like cr- chronology of it is what made it so good. But I mean, I don't know. I think I've, I feel like I've really gone on a tangent there about the pod, the, the pod, <laughs> the, documentary. the documentary. This is the pod. That yeah. was the documentary. Right. Final one because we're gonna to have to sign off. Uh, you probably get this one all the time, but Greg Lavender asks, "What's your best and busiest transfer deadline day that you've covered?" But I'm gonna change that slightly and say that question. And what's the best story you've broken? Oh, well, the be- probably the busiest one is not really that exciting, which says everything about mm. being a transfer reporter for Sky on deadline day um, in the northeast was last January in Newcastle. Got two players. They've got two players. I mean, that's that's unheard of. Um, they brought in both Dubravka and, uh, and Slamani. Um, both of them, I think, were loan deals. They both arrived in private jets. We got shots of both of them arriving at the airport. Newcastle had a match that night. So they went to medicals at the stadium and we were managing to get all the kind of shots as we went along. That was, sadly, as good or as busy as it's got. Um I think at times at Sunderland, obviously when Defoe had that wasn't even deadline day. I'm trying to think that was in the January window, wasn't it? Um, but yeah, there's that. I mean, in, in terms of the biggest story, do you mean in the northeast? Just or? yeah, well, any. What's the biggest story you've done, or the one you're proudest of? Um, I had a part to play in Rangers. The us breaking the story in Scotland when Rangers went to administration, um, and got a little bit of a tip from somewhere that this was going to happen couldn't believe what I was hearing absolute massive institution in Scotland going into administration I mean I mean it's the biggest story in Scottish football for 25 years I bet they just hear that as well was quite like a jarring oh, thing as well, well no, I didn't believe it we didn't believe it and then we you worked for Rangers as well didn't you know, you? I worked for Satana Sports and they had a channel called Rangers TV so I was a reporter so I wasn't actually staffed wasn't staff at Rangers. I worked for Satana, but you, I was a reporter. So they had Celtic TV and Rangers TV, and I was the reporter for Rangers TV. So I was part of. I worked there when they got to the UEFA Cup final in two thousand and eight. So like it was good times. Um, and then after I left, when Satana went uh, bust in two thousand and nine, mm. I then worked for ITV in Scotland. Now at this point, I was two years into working in ITV, this the, the equivalent of Time Tees, but in Scotland, STV it's called. And we would kind of take turns each to try and phone up the courts to try and find out if this was true and if there'd been any kind of application to go into administration. And then one day, um, it wasn't myself, but a fellow reporter phoned in. Hang on, just been told. She, she hung up she phoned back she goes oh, actually we do have something for Rangers here they've applied to go into administration whatever the wording was mm-hmm. and myself and my, my my kind of boss at the time was a good mate of mine Raman turned around and looked at the report and we're like are you sure phone back and check phone back and check and then that was it and then here we are sitting here what that was 2012 so we're sitting here mm-hmm. now seven years on and Rangers are still trying to get back to, yeah. to where, where they were and it was just I mean, it was, it was the biggest story in Scottish football that it had been in 20-25 years it was ridiculous it was the equivalent like in 
compared to England as a man you're a Liverpool yeah. going bust and getting put down into the and then of course it wasn't just that story they did knock on effect like all the players started ripping up their contracts and leaving mm. and then they went down to the fourth tier but yeah, they were still getting 40 50,000 to mm. their matches so the amount of knock-on stories from that, I suppose a little bit like when Sunderland would be going down in a, in a bigger extent because yeah. obviously... Oh, I mean, what, what, what happened, not as bad as that. <laughs> yeah, it was um, it was huge. It was absolutely huge. Um, it's so hard though, I mean, you ask me about big stories and after a while, you just move on to the next the blue. one. You uh, just yeah. move on to the next one and you move on to the next one. I mean, I, I mean, he, Rafa Benitez, when he got the Newcastle job, was a, was a massive story. Um I think Sunderland ones the default don't know if I can't remember if we broke that or not but I certainly remember being standing outside the training ground and that was obviously a huge huge name for Sunderland to get at the time um, I mean it's been a lot I mean I kind of I kind of sort of tried to specialise if you like if you want to use that word in, in transfers and that's kind of where I think my strength lies I'm not I mean the Newcastle fans are always saying to me look try and make sure you get into Mike Ash and you get into Lee Charlie do this and you do that and make sure you do it financially I'm not and I had a big ding dong with a Newcastle supporter that you might be aware of on Twitter during the week, and it was to do with them saying we need to do these financial reports and finance. I saw that. Not, I'm not hugely on top of that. I'm not a financial journalist. I'm more better at interviewing players, finding transfer stories, getting things like that. Mm-hmm. It's that. It's not really my my sort of area of expertise. So yeah, like, I can't over, say I saw it, but I can imagine. Yeah, I mean how it got. It went. Yeah, yeah, I mean it got. It it was got, the, was it like? Got, it was one of the more famous Newcastle fans on Twitter, wasn't it? Was talking yeah. about finances yeah and I just asked him to come on I said listen come on we'll put you on it's you know we've got an opening here where they want to talk about the Deloitte results Newcastle are 18th in the world in terms of finances mm-hmm. in this club in the world let's get you on he didn't want to do it and then I was maybe a little bit naive in what I tweeted and I think I said you know a typical supporter so many of them who want to sort of have a go at us on mm-hmm. Twitter here but they would never come on TV I, I maybe should have shouldn't have worded it like I did and I think some fans were just looking at part of the conversation they didn't look at when I was kind of like pleading him to come on before anyway the guy in question and myself have had a chat since then and everything's fine and we actually he's he was very thankful for the chance but he just didn't want to come on for his own reasons and I kind of said look I maybe shouldn't have said that however I do find it frustrating that we're constantly getting abuse on Twitter constantly and we're giving you a platform and nobody's taking it and we're going to end up having to walk in the streets and speak to a couple of fans who you know are probably not yeah. going to, not going to be um, no. what you, who, who you want to speak to so um that's not just going back to your question that I wouldn't really say that's my sadly not my area of expertise it's more the, the football side of things I'm a football reporter obviously I'm aware of the financial situation in Newcastle and we constantly myself and, and, and Pete who's uh, my colleague Pete Graves were constantly you know trying to make sure that we um, we represent the views and, and what not but um, I would say mostly mostly our, our, our transfers and I can't remember because they all just merge into one after a while but certainly the Rangers story in terms of its, its size and, and gravity and the knock-on effect it had was the biggest one I've ever been involved in at the time Okay, the last thing I know I said that was the last question but I want to talk a little bit about social media because mm. you do get a lot of stick on social media Yeah, is is that becoming tiresome or do you just It does a little bit, yeah, yeah like it does because it seems to have gotten worse Yeah, I think it's hard I think it's difficult when you like if you take Newcastle for example or you take Sunderland when you were under Ellis Short there's such a, a chasm there there's a, a void there's an area where the fans need information and they think and they're not being given it. They think, you know, what you yeah, do. yeah or they think we should be speaking on their behalf or whatever and I quite quite often get asked what's your opinion on this what now I'm on here giving my opinion today but this is very rare 
I can't go on Twitter and start giving them. I'm not. I'm, I am at the end of the day a reporter. I'm not there to give opinion. Yes, I want all the clubs to be doing well, but I'm there to say what's going on. I'm not there to change people's minds or to do this or to make them look at things differently. That's not my job. So I think that's the difference. And I think in Scotland, where I was before, there was certainly no there was no new local newspapers like what you have down here. You know, you like have the Sunday Echo and the Newcastle Chronicle, who are kind of. You know, I, I don't know how to explain it, but they obviously want... They well, the Chronicle's very much the Newcastle United yeah, news, yeah, and so, they represent the fans. You yeah. can see it in everything they do. And I'm, and I'm not used to that. So, like, I was I found that really weird when I came down here. Like, all these fans kind of wanting you to, right, you need to be doing this for us. And, you know, kind of, well, not, well, not really. I'm here to just report on what I see and what's going on. And I am certainly not allowed to give an opinion. I know I have a little bit today, but it's more just being telling me about highlights and potential transfers and whatnot but yeah listen it does get really difficult and the one thing I'll say is a lot of these guys on Twitter they'll give you dogs abuse and then I'll speak to them for five minutes I'll bump into them in the street or in a bar at night or at a match or whatever chat to five minutes and they're like well you're actually okay or you know we can, you're actually quite honest with but I can't come out on Twitter and say what I think and do that it just, it just it would just end up ridiculous if you were if you were doing that the whole time and I just wish people would understand that you know um, you're kind of doing the job to the best of your ability and they have invested they've got a lot of emotional attachment in it whereas I'm not just saying it's not it's not it's not just a job but at the end of the day that is what I'm I'm, I'm paid to do and I could tie myself in knots on Twitter a little bit so you have to be careful yeah. at times as well it sounds to me like it's you know like almost as if to me like you know you're, you're a reporter first but then on social media you're a diplomat second you know you've got yeah, to sort of yeah. you've got the I suppose to put it bluntly, tolerate a lot of just you know like wild opinions, you know, claiming that you should be saying more than what you're saying, or saying things that you don't mm-hmm. actually either have access to, or just simply don't know. Mm-hmm. And then I was, but I think as as you say, then you know, like if you and the rest of the neutral reporters from all of the mainstream media sources started to have a go back at the fans, you know, like if someone said something that was you know particularly offensive it'll never and, end though Alex no. that's the thing if I did that and I replied to any of these guys and, and it got it would never end well, that's people it, that, would that's just come from everywhere yeah, yeah. And it'd, be an- so, it'd be anarchy it's so difficult and it's so difficult to sometimes look at I actually don't mind see if someone comes on and says you're this or you're that or you you know call me call me a name or whatever I'm like mm-hmm. bothered Doesn't do, what annoys me is when they come in and, uh, when they come on and call into you and question like your integrity mm-hmm. or they tell you that you're not doing your job right because this is how you should do it but what they're saying actually doesn't make any sense or if they knew how it worked mm-hmm. they would know that you don't you don't say that you, that that couldn't happen mm-hmm. so I don't care if they come yeah. on and call you you know whatever and, else yeah, yeah yeah I mean you get that all the time I just it's water off a duck's back it's when they call into question your your integrity or your impartiality that's what and all these people who say no you're a Newcastle fan or you're a Sunderland fan you just, it just gets tired yeah. it does get tiresome after a while but if you, I have noticed if you apply to a couple then they all start bombarding but well, that's, listen, that, that, that's it like that, yeah. that's the, it's the fighting fire with fire if, if you bite back to one person the rest of you will just see it as fair game all right the you know the, the, the reporters having a go right you know let, mm. let's all jump in you know because that, that, that's how it goes but I think I think ultimately, you know, like getting a bit sort of moving on to quite like a moral issue where you get to a certain sort of like, I think I would say age, I suppose, maybe physical or mental, it's sort of, it's by the by. When you get to a certain sort of like age, you sort of step back and you think, right, you know, you need to have a certain level of self-awareness here. And this goes for anyone on Mm. social media, anyone that's an outlet for anything, you know, you have to take a step back and think quite simply if I wasn't going to say if I, if I don't feel comfortable saying this to someone in real life if this is against my 
natural character in my day-to-day life, you know, why why do I suddenly have this duality online? You know, why suddenly am I more than a critic and someone who's like outright telling you this is not how you do this, this isn't how you do that? As you say, you know, they're telling someone that you don't have integrity for reason X or that you shouldn't be doing this for reason Y. And then you think if you wouldn't blatantly say that to them in your day-to-day life, if this is against the moral principles that you apply to speaking, why do they come about in typing? Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's pretty much it. You know, you, you, as, as I say, you get to a certain point and you have to just sort of like... I'm saying it. Yeah. I'm gonna, it's, it's, all, it's also very hard to squeeze um, your point into 140 characters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? It really is. you got two. Well, yeah, but two, yeah, it's so difficult. Well, no, 140 yeah. is the double, isn't it? I mean, it's oh, so difficult to try and do that. And people yeah. read things wrong as well. It's like yeah. when you send someone a text message, people can read it and take it wrong. And yeah. that, that often happens. And it just can get it can get pretty messy so i tried to do it in moderation but at times like i was replying to the guys the other day and it got a little bit and then i bumped in a couple of them in the pub after the match and i was working on saturday and they went you're actually all right you're actually i'm like yeah no i'm just like being honest and trying to <laughs> speak to you guys and listen you can't you can't win them all but like the social media element isn't that it's not everyone is it like there's only a small yeah i think twitter users probably about five percent of yeah. people are actually on it yeah. and it yeah. seems to represent everyone right. we're gonna sign off anyway so thanks keith for coming no on problem. thanks for having me i look forward to looking at you all day on <laughs> thursday is it deadline Even you'll be watching i'll be watching oh yeah right. yeah oh, it doesn't mean on tv all right <laughs> <laughs> well listen hopefully that we're right about the the transfers tomorrow yeah. but um we'll wait and see probably could be completely wrong now and i was gonna say has anybody announced has anybody actually checked with or something Nah, it'll be t- I think it'll be t- I think it'll be tomorrow. Uh, I've just tabled a seven million bid for Kiefer Miller. <laughs> more than what contradicting the entirety of this pod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're just feeling that generous, really. No, we've well, got you know that what? one. Fair play, right? if that is the case, they've kept that one quiet. Uh, yeah, they have kept yeah. that one quiet. And if you get the player and he's a good player, then happy yeah. days. Okay, so thanks, thanks Alex as well for coming on. Hey. It's good to see you. Bye. Um, you might be on next week. I don't even know who got on next week, so hey, that might be a nice be. surprise. Yeah. Some exchange betting companies run short-lived promotions, like months-long offers of low commission. At BetDag, we wanted to change the way we did things, so we set our commission at 2% permanently. That's 2% on football, horse racing, golf, almost any sport. 2%. That's just one way that BetDag is changing for the better. For the better, like you. BetDag, the 2% commission exchange. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.